Morning again. It's good to see everybody this morning. We've got a beautiful day to be out to worship God. A few weeks ago, um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, we studied a lesson from 2 Timothy chapter 2, looking at the kind of men God needs. And this morning we want to look at 1 Timothy, and our reading is David read to us this morning, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And we'll look at what kind of men God makes. God needs certain kind of men, but we can't be what God needs us to be unless he makes us what we ought to be. And God needs men. We're living in a time where there's not many men. There's not those who would stand up and be a true man, as God would have them to be. There's different ideas of what men ought to be. We have men who won't stand up and be in the kind of role as they ought to be in the home or in, in society, as far as that goes. But a lot of people have in mind that a, a man is just simply that which is, uh, has an attitude of that which is roughshod and kind of a macho kind of thing and, and full of pride, and that's not a man either. But the kind of man God wants is, is revealed right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 through 7 when Paul's talking to Timothy. You know, the relationship between Paul and Timothy was like that of a father to a son. And any father would want his son to be the kind of man God wants him to be. Paul didn't, you know, he was celibate. He didn't, he didn't have a son, but Timothy was the closest thing he had one. And we see that, I think, in these verses. He, he speaks to him as, uh, of him as his son in the, in the faith. And in verse 3, he talks about how he, he prayed for him daily. Parents pray for their children because of what they want them to turn out like. And even when they get older, they, uh, you continue to pray for them to be what they ought to be. He longed to see him. He longed to see his uh, son Timothy. And when you look at 2 Timothy, he was afraid that maybe he might not get to see him again. Because time was drawing near for Paul to, to die. But he still had hope that he would be able to see. He remembered when they left, there were tears. And he wanted those tears to, to be turned to joy when they were able to meet again. And he remembered him fondly. As you see there in verse 5, he, re, he remembers him, thinks about his faith that existed in him. It started back when he was a young man. Even the faith that his mother and grandmother had instilled in him. And so it shows us, even as we talk about the kind of men God makes, it doesn't just apply to uh, the male gender. It's talking, we're talking about women as well, the kind of people God wants, what, the kind of people he makes. And his grandmother and his mother was those kind of people. And those kind of people make the kind of, help make the kind of people God wants uh, and makes. The way God makes people, and we'll see that in, in our study is through the influence of other people. And it might be a mother, it might be a grandmother. You think what we would have missed in Timothy if his mother and his grandmother hadn't been the kind of people that God wanted them to be. Had a great influence on him and what he would be and a young man who would allow himself to be circumcised and go off and preach the gospel with a man like Paul the Apostle. But I especially want to look at 
2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, when he talks about really what kind of man God makes, the kind of man God intended him to be, and to make use of the blessings and opportunities that God had given to him. He tells Timothy, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. The, the New King James says, For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now this kind of man that God intends us to be. The kind of man that God's willing to create in us if we will submit to his workmanship. There's a lot of passages, and we're going to look at some of those, that talk about how that we are God's workmanship. There's passages that talks about being clay before the potter. And that's what we're to be. God makes us and molds us into what we ought to be. I cannot be, you cannot be what God wants you to be unless you allow God to make you what you ought to be. I'm not made into what I want to be yet, are you? But I hope that I'm being molded by God. I've got to give my life to Him to allow Him to make of me what He would want. It takes submission. It takes to be His disciple and to be a disciple's parent, a learner and a follower of God is, is to allow Him to make you what you ought to be. And to do that, you've got to submit to him. He says, you want to be my disciple? You've got to crucify yourself. Take up your cross, he says. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. Are you allowing God to make of you what you ought to be? Are you changing? If I'm not changing in my life, growing in my faith, increasing in my strength, putting away cowardness and becoming less fearful, but powerful and strengthened in the will of God. If I'm not becoming more loving, loving of God and loving of my neighbor, if I'm not becoming sounder in mind and more disciplined in my life, then I'm not being what God wants me to be. But he says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline. That's kind of that's kind of man God makes. God makes not fearful individuals, not timid individuals. And we're not talking about just physical personality traits. We're talking about spiritual traits. Who is it's going to be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone? It's going to be a lot of different kinds of people, aren't they're all going to be wicked people. I don't know about you, but when I read about the lake that burns from fire and brimstone, the place is prepared for the devil and his angels, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there because of the pain and the agony that's going to exist throughout and never end in eternity, one thing. But I don't want to be with the ones who's there. And you go to say, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, and it talks about all the people who are going to be there, and it talks about the the adulterers, it talks about the sorcerers, it talks about whoremongers, it talks about all kinds of wicked murderers, abominable people. But the list starts out with the cowardly. People who don't have enough 
courage to stand up for the Lord. Or anybody can follow the crowd. But a lot of people are afraid to stand up for Jesus. There's a lot of people who claim to know Jesus and claim to be Christians who are afraid to talk about Jesus. And they're the cowardly. And though they may claim to be Christians, followers of Jesus, belonging to him, disciples of the Lord, they're not the kind of God, men God makes because God makes fearless men. Now we need to understand that we always don't start out that way, do we? You ever find yourself afraid to do what you need to do? Or you look back on it and say, you know, I, I, wasn't, I didn't have the courage I need to have. I think all of us have looked at situations in our life. Maybe there's an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord, and we were timid about it. You ever been timid to talk to somebody about the Lord or salvation? I think we all have been. Let the situation slip through our fingers when we could have talked to them. Maybe standing up and just being different. But we can't be timid. We can't be a coward when it comes to being God's person. God makes fearless men. Peter didn't start out that way. He wanted to be. But it's the difference wanting to be something and being something in it. A lot of times I want to do something. A lot of times I want this is what I want to be, but I fail. Do you fail sometimes? We fail to be fearless like we ought to be. When Jesus came walking on the water, Matthew 14th chapter. Peter says, If it's you, Lord, call me and have me to come to you. And he said, Come. And he got out of the boat. Now that took some courage, but he became timid. He became fearful. In fact, the Bible says, Seeing the winds, he became afraid. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Men of God don't always start out bold. Oh, he was ready to, to fight to the death when the Lord said he was going to be suffering and crucified. He said, may it never be, Lord. Far be it. But then in Matthew chapter 26, verse 65, you remember he started denying the Lord just like the Lord said. He denied him not once, but three times and done so with cursing. Why? He was afraid. He was timid. And he went out and he wept bitterly because of what he'd done. Men of God don't always don't start out bold. Even after he'd overcome all those things and after the resurrection and faced even persecution, he let peer pressure get to him. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 2 and verse 11, how that he had to oppose Peter to his face because though he was eating with the Gentiles, when the men of Jerusalem came, he stood aloof, wouldn't eat with them. Paul had to oppose him. Men of God are not always fearless in the beginning, but they grow. Peter overcome those things. And you and I have to overcome the things in our life. Times when we've not been fearless. Paul confessed to his fearful tendencies. You look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 3. He says to the Corinthians, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. But men of God develop boldness. 
Christianity is a growing thing. It's an everyday thing. It is for me. Is it for you? I'm not where I want to be. But I'm thankful I wasn't where I was. It's a growing thing. Sometimes I stumble as I'm trying to grow. But it's a growth in it. Christianity is 24 hours a day, seven days a week of trying and doing and growing into being what God wants us to be. And where Peter was fearful and denied the Lord, you come to chapter 4 of the book of Acts and verse 13, and he was standing before the very Sanhedrin council whom he had feared earlier who crucified Jesus. And it says they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. What was making the difference in Peter and John's life? That they were allowing themselves to be molded by the Lord. When you're allowing yourself to be molded by the Lord, that means that you're making more every day His ways your ways and making every day His thoughts more your thoughts. And that when you do that, people are going to see Jesus living in you. And they're not going to see something that's fearful and timid when it comes to spiritual things and spiritual growth. They're going to look at you and say, you know, Jesus lives within that individual. Can people see that in you? That's the kind of man God makes because God impresses his image upon them if you're allowed to be impressed. How do you do that? Well, you do that by reading his word Becoming more like what he'd have him to be. Thinking about his love. Peter later confessed confidence that, uh, or Paul did later in his trial. He'd been in fear and trembling, but in Acts 20 and verse 24, he said, I do not consider my life any account dear to myself in order that I may finish the course and the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of, of grace. He'd come to the point where he didn't care about his life. All he cared about is serving God, preaching the gospel. And if it meant his death, then so be it. Did he start out that way? No. But he, he grew into that. Chapter 21, verse 13, he says, Paul answered and said, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. Men of God don't start out with that. But men of God, that's the kind of men God makes as you grow in his, in his service. You grow in faith and you increase in love and fearlessness will decrease. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. He said to them, Why are you timid, O men of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and became perfectly calm. We start out with little faith, don't we? We start out with timidity and fearfulness. Oh, men of little faith, why do you doubt? Doubt's what causes us to fear. But the more we trust in God and what he can do and what he can do through us, what he can make of us, then you set fear aside and do what God wants you to do. Love casts out fear. When you come to, to know more about the love that God's had for you, and you come to love him, when that love relationship 
Love's not a mushy thing, is it? It's not just something you feel, it's something that you do. That's love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not mushy. That's work in it. To love God like you ought to love him. And to love your neighbors yourself. It's not just sitting around working up a good feeling about them. It's doing something for them and serving them, loving them. And the more you love, then perfect love, as John said in 1 John 4 and verse 18, perfect love cast out fear. He says, for fear involves punishment, but the one who fears is not perfected in love. The more you love God and love your neighbor, the closer you are to God, you don't have to fear God. You don't have to fear his coming. Because if you're the kind of person that God would have you to be by loving him and loving your neighbors, you ought to be. There's no reason to fear, is there? You can say like Paul, I'm ready to die. That's what, if that's the case. Because you're ready to meet him. Boldness comes through prayer. I want to tell you, if you're not the kind of person God wants you to be, if you're not as fearless as you want to be, as you ought to be, you need to ask yourself how much you're praying about it. I need prayer. Do you need it? Oh, we need it, don't we? You want to be fearless? You want to be made into what God wants you to be? Then you better pray to the one who can do something about it. You can't make into yourself anything. But God can make you into whatever he wants you to be. God makes men. That's, that's the point of this lesson. The kind of men God makes. And we're looking at what kind of God men needs. But he can make you into what he needs. But you have to give yourself to him and you have to pray. Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. All these people in Acts 4 and verse 29, they were facing persecution. They were being threatened. What do you do about it? Do you fear? No, you pray. Be anxious for nothing, but all things what? Prayer and thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. Here he says, Acts 4 and verse 29, Lord, take note of their threats and grant thy bond servants that they may speak thy word with what? Boldness, confidence, not fear in that. While thou dost extend thy hand to heal and signs and wonders and take place through the name of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of the Lord with boldness. You're afraid to go and speak and afraid to do what God wants you to do? Oh, there's things to do. It's all kind of things to do. We need to grow. All of us need to teach and preach. You may not teach publicly, but you can teach. Jeff's getting around a list for teachers this next, this next year, next quarter's coming up. I want to encourage you, if you're not teaching, tell Jeff that you want to try. We need teachers. Start with the younger classes, but I encourage you to teach. But we don't need just teachers here. We need them. need you to volunteer. But it, we need teachers every day, everywhere, at work, school. We all need to be teaching. How do you have that kind of boldness? How do you approach that without fear? Pray. Paul needed it. He said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, with all prayer and petitions, praying at all times in the Spirit, 
And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. But don't just pray for one another. He said, I want you to pray for me. Verse 19, pray on my behalf that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. We all need to be able to go and preach and teach boldly with confidence. How do you get that? We need to pray. I want you to pray for me. I need that. We need to pray for one another. As men grow in faith and love and prayer, God removes the spirit of fear. And then we can be the kind of men God makes. God makes not only fearless men, he makes them men of power, men who have the power that he only he is able to give. Strong men is what we're talking about. Men of power are, are strong. And we're talking about spiritually strong. Men of God sometimes don't, don't start out strong. Sometimes we start out weak. We looked at even the apostles at times had moments of fear and weakness. All disciples starts out as babes. You remember the Corinthians should have been growing, but they were still babes. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but men of flesh as to babes in Christ. Why? Because it's still holding on to fleshly ideas, worldly mindsets. If you want to be strong in the Lord, you've got to let go of the things of this world, the material things and the worries of this world and sinful things. To be a strong man of God, you've got to let go of the things that make you weak and entangle you. You remember in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he said, set aside all sin that so easily entangles us and besets us, that weight of sin. Sin will weigh you down and not allow you to be strong. It will tangle you up and not allow you to do what you need to be doing. There he was talking about a race, running a race. Man running a race doesn't go around with rope wrapped around him. <laughs> Something's going to entangle him. You lay aside any weight, anything's going to entangle you to run. And so if you want to be strong, you've got to set aside sin. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, men of God are to be strong. How strong are you, spiritually speaking? Are you as strong as you want to be? No. But we've got to be strong. He says, be on the alert. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, be like men, act like men, he says, be strong. Act like men. <laughs> you know, your son's growing up. What do you want him to be? You want him to act like a man, right? You want him to be a man. What kind of man? Well, I want our children to grow up being men of God, men and women of God, men of faith. He says, you be on your alert. Stand firm in what? The faith. Act like a man. A man of God is a man of faith. He's strong. Be strong, he said. In fact, he exhorted the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Be strong what? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Again, this is about the kind of men that God makes. 
You can't be strong and be the kind of man, kind of person you ought to be on your own. Oh, no. If you're going to be what you ought to be, it's going to be God making you what you ought to be and using what God gives you to be what you ought to be. And he says, you be strong. How? Be strong in the Lord. That's the only way to be strong is to be in the Lord and in the strength of who? Of his might. You got to know Jesus loves you. And you got to give yourself to the love of the Father and to His Son. Love Him. Serve Him. Even the, the children can tell you that in their songs, can't they? Jesus loves me. This I know. We are weak, but what? He is strong. Yes, I'm weak. And I can't be what I need to be. I can't do what I need to do. But God can make me what I ought to be. And through His power and through His strength, if I follow His will, I can be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His mind. And He'll provide you what you need. You look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17, and you, you're familiar with that passage. It talks about the armor of the Lord. He gives us everything that we need to be strong. But you've got to take it up and put it on. You can have all the armor. Can you imagine a guy going into to war and here the military su- supplies him with everything he needs? Black jacket, helmet, ammunition, gun. Gives him everything he needs. Doesn't put it on. Just goes out into the battle without any of it. When you say that's pretty foolish. But that's what we do many times. He's given us breastplate, shield, shoes, helmet, sword, sword of the spirit. How well do we use it? He said, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, and he's provided us everything to be strong. Chapter 3 and verse 20 of Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that what works within us. We're talking about what God does to a man. We're talking about the kind of men God makes. And it's strong men. And he's able to make you stronger than what you even think that you can be. We get to think, well, I'm not strong enough to do that. I I can't overcome it. I can't make it. God says you can. Not through your strength, but through my strength. He said you're able to do beyond, beyond what you're able to even think. Because of the power my power that works within you. We're his workmanship. He makes us what we ought to be. And he's provided us the perfect example through his son. If we'll just abide in him. If you want to be strong, you're going to have to abide in Jesus. Because he's the vine. We're just the branches. Can a branch do anything if it's not onto the vine? No, it just dries up, right? And that's what Jesus said in John 15. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now you want to be strong? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in he, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, what did he say? You can do nothing. You can't be fearless. You can't be strong. You can't do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me... He says, you can be what you ought to be. In me, you can be strong. God makes fearless men. He makes strong men. He makes men of love. 
God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power and of love. You know, the world looks at, if a person is a loving person, they see that as weakness. I tell you, men of God are men of love. But love is not this mushy kind of thing. Love, like we said, is not something that you just think about. Love something that you do. And you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the biggest job you ever have. You love your neighbor as yourself. And you got your work cut out for you. It takes a fearless, strong man to be a man of love. You men, you love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you're doing something. But God can make loving men. A lot of times, again, we don't start out that way. A lot of times we're jealous of other people and we're not loving of them. We're envious of them. And, but men of God grow out of that. I think about those who were the closest to the Lord. You remember when 10 of the disciples became indignant at James and John because they asked to sit at his right and his left. One of his right and one of his left. And they were just all jealous of one another and arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom in Luke chapter 22. You remember that? In fact, James and John had the, had the reputation of not being, they weren't called the sons, the, the loving brothers. <laughs> That's not what Jesus called them. What he called them? He called them the sons of what? Sons of thunder. Well, angriest, I think the, the word is, which means sons of thunder. You can see the word anger in there. <laughs> in fact, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 17, he calls them the sons of thunder. And in Luke 9 verse 54, you remember the disciples, they were going through Samaria and nobody wouldn't give them a place to stay. And it was these sons of thunder who said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They didn't start out as just those loving brothers. Oh, they were the sons of thunder. But men of God will develop love. Back time John writes first John. What what do you think about John? What who do we call him? We call him the beloved disciple. The one closest to Jesus. And later writes his letter, and we call it the letter of what? Love. All about love and loving your brother. And if you don't love your brother, you don't love God, isn't it? And the old song says that. Well, that comes from right here. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who said that? The fellow used to be called Son of Thunder. But he had allowed God to mold him and make him. This was not the same man that he used to be. And when I look at myself, when you look at yourself, you may not have the kind of love that you ought to have, but if you're a Christian, you ought to have more love than you had, and you ought to be working toward being more loving toward God and toward your brother. John said in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11, Beloved, if he said, If God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. 
And even Peter, he referred to Paul as the beloved brother, Paul. These were men who had developed love. And the more we grow closer to God and follow his will, we'll become more loving toward God and toward our neighbor and toward our spouses, toward everybody. Because love has to be has to do with serving and service. Greater love has no one than this than he who gives his lazy life down for his friends. And there's our perfect example. Jesus was completely humble, though he existed in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being laid in the likeness of men. He gave himself. Death, even the death on the cross. He gave his life for us. As Paul said there in Philippians 2. And because he loved us, we ought to love. Oh, it's not just because we're just loving people. <laughs> if we change our lives to look at what he's done for us, then we, we become men who love. And finally, you look at God makes men of discipline, of sound mind. I think this is interesting uh, here, this word is translated discipline or sound mind. It literally means, Thayer says in his lexicon, it says it means admonishing or calling to soundness of mind, calling them on moderation or self-control. So you can see why it's translated discipline and of sound mind. It, it means being sober-minded and pr being prudent and discreet. And it's the qualities. When you, when you go over to and you read about sound men, that's one of the qualifications of an elder and of an overseer over in First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 or Titus chapter 1 and verse 8. Elders, bishops must be a sound mind. Discipline. And it's not just them. Turn over to Titus chapter 2. All men of God, and for that part, women of God are to be have these qualities. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, But as you speak the things which are fitting for what? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. That's this idea of discipline teaching, sound teaching. Older men are to be what? Temperate. That's this word right here. They're to be sound-minded. They're to be disciplined men, sensible, sound in the faith, in love and perseverance. And not just the older men, but look, the older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, and they are to encourage the young women. There's a word again. Encourage or teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their children. When he talks about encourage or to teach, it's this, it has, it's this word's involved. They are to, the older women are to, to set in sound mind the younger women. Literally is what that says. The older women are to set a disciplined mind within the younger women that they might love their husbands and love their children. So you got older men, younger men, young, older women, younger women, all of us 
are to work toward being sound, disciplined. How can you do that? God's got to make you. You got to give yourself to him. It's through obedience to his word, soundness. I think about something sound, I think it's solid, right? What did Jesus said in his conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount? He who hears these words of mine and what? Forgets them, folds them back up, lays them on the coffee table, leaves them in the, on the pew and, and, and come back and t- study it next week? No. He who hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened unto a wise man who builds his house on a what? A rock. He's talking about a sound house. He's talking about disciplined work that's going to be lasting. And when the storms come and the winds blow, it's going to be sound. It's going to be there, rooted, grounded. Now the foolish man builds his house on the sand. And you know what's going to happen to his house? But God makes sound men. Galatians 5 verse 16, I say walk by the Spirit and you'll not care out the deeds of the flesh. You walk by the ways of God, make His ways your way, you'll be sound. You won't be led astray. Galatians 5 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You'll have those qualities if you give yourself to the Lord. Oh, we might start out as cowards. We may start out with weakness and hatred and envy and we may be unstable but you give yourself to the Lord and God will make you what you ought to be and let us all be giving ourselves to the Lord and let him make us what we ought to be and he'll make us fearless, he'll make us strong he'll make us loving and he'll make us sound lesson to examine me I don't know if you needed some of that, I did I think we all need it as we look at ourselves what we want to be. If you're not what you ought to be, the only way you can be is, as we said, God make you that. And God can make you white as snow if you've got sin in your life. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Doesn't matter how deep, dark red it is. He says, though they be red like crimson, they be like wool. That's what he can do with you. Nobody can do that but God, but through his blood, he can wash you and cleanse you. If you're willing to repent and be baptized, have your sins washed away. You can do that this morning. If you've done that in the past, not been living like you ought to, maybe not growing like you ought to, let God have you make you what you ought to be. He can make you. All the things we've talked about this morning, there's something keeping you from doing that, won't you repent of that? We can help you in any way, won't you come right now while we stand singing the song.